Coming up first. Why are they doing that? Why would uh, the Fiji First Government want to do something like that? A breakdown of Fiji's recent electoral amendments despite no confirmed dates for elections. Also, there's a lot of disasters that have been happening in the last 10 years within the Pacific. Climate change is leading Pacific families into poverty. And later on, one's own language is something that's really special. It also connects them to their ancestors and their roots. New Zealand's Pacifica communities welcomes a new strategy to retain their languages. As Fijians await the announcements of the official dates for this year's election, there's a lot of controversy surrounding the recent electoral amendment introduced by the Fiji First Government. Among other things, they give more powers to the supervisor of the elections, Mohamed Sanin, which could have a silencing effect on the opposition party's campaign efforts. Koroi Hawkins spoke with Pacific politics expert John Frankel and began by asking him to explain some of these recent amendments. Well, um, since the 2013 constitution, they passed a, an electoral decree in 2014 and also there's separate legislation for the registration of voters and for political parties. And there's been amendments of all three of those pieces of legislation, uh, a lot, lot of different amendments, including amendments that uh, dramatically increase the power of the supervisor of, the, of elections, um, um, amendments to the way that voters are registered, uh, which is worth talking about, and uh, uh, amendments to um, uh, the political parties decree, amendments that um, require um, parties to cost their campaign pledges which I think the consequences of which will be that parties won't make many campaign pledges. This is a fallout from the uh, uh, promises about the minimum wage at the 2018 election. Uh, they're trying to make sure that all these, all these promises are costed. But, of course, none of the parties have released their manifestos yet, and uh, we'll, we'll see what they look like, whether there are firm promises in them that, that might have financial or fiscal repercussions. You, you made an interesting... Um uh, point, and that we'll probably use this to to go into some of these amendments about how there, there's almost a trail from the amendment to what instigated it. Yes, yes. I mean, for for example, there is an amendment to the uh, uh, the um, registration, the electoral registration of voters amendment bill of 2020, and the um, uh, th- that is uh, requires that uh, the names under which people are registered is the same as the name on their birth certificate, which is a big problem for married women who are going under the name of their husband and live a political life under the name of their husband. Many people in Fiji use names that are different from their names on the birth register. So in theory, all of those, well, in practice, all of those are required to uh, re-register under their, the name and under their birth certificate. And married women are required to go and change their birth certificate so as it features their married name but some of them are reluctant to do that and that will potentially disenfranchise a lot of people so you might ask the question why are they doing that why would uh, fiji first the fiji first government want to do something like that it's irrational from the point of view of trying to win the election or trying to court public support the explanation goes back to the niko newaikula court case which uh, where uh, it was found that one opposition MP who's in fact now in prison, uh, Nico Newakula, was that was not the name on his birth certificate. So they had a court case about this, and the, the government actually lost that court case, got very, very angry about it, 
Uh, and as a result, they went and imposed this electoral amendment, which is, um, you know, not gonna, it, it just disrupts things and is sort of spiteful and uh, rather kind of petty in many ways. Not, not, it's not an effective strategy for winning an election. Now, for the for the increased powers of the uh, electoral commissioner, um, um, how much more power ha- has he been giving, and what and what sorts of power? Well, well, for example, he can require information and from candidates and parties, and if they don't supply it, there are severe penalties that uh, can be imposed on them, which are um, are rather worrying. Um, and there's another amendment that says that. Um, Yes, the parties have to cost their campaign pledges, uh, and uh, all these things amount to a significant increase in the power of the election supervisor. Uh, But it's rare to have an election supervisor who commands so little confidence among the opposition parties. Almost all the opposition parties have called for him to step down. Um, In fact, he said he was even going to step down himself, but has now decided to continue with uh, uh, some arrangements that have been made with the uh, Fiji First Government. Humanitarian organization Oxfam says climate change is driving vulnerable Pacific communities into poverty and hunger, an issue that's become a cry for help. Through a survey, Oxfam says the region's unusual sea intrusions and recent natural disasters have largely affected food gardens, leaving communities with barely anything to fill their tummies. The NGO's lead in Solomon Islands, Cameron Ngatulu, says many communities use their harvested crops to secure income, but the effects of climate change have trickled into their pockets and the smaller island economies. When there is a lack of income at the community level, especially when you have the vast majority of communities living in rural areas, um, and when, when they don't or can't access their livelihoods, it will have a bigger impact on wider community and especially um, small businesses that depend on our small communities to support them as well. Natsulu says the impacts of climate change are deeply felt within low-lying communities and the need to respond should be swift. He calls on the international community to become proactive as finding solutions after the events are a little too late for the people on the ground. There's a lot of disasters that have been happening in the last 10 years within the Pacific, especially um, seen an increase in the intensity and the frequency of um, stronger cyclones um, for most of the Pacific Islands. And for a lot of major partners, it's always uh, reacting after. So what we we have also been discussing um, across a lot of the uh, countries is, is I'm reacting on adaptation and mitigation, so investing more before the fact, before the disasters happen, investing more in preparedness, investing more in um, in the systems and processes that would help mitigate and also help communities and government respond better to natural disasters. With the upcoming COP27 meeting, Ngatsulu stresses collective responsibility as the way forward. He adds that industrialised nations must be more responsible in tackling climate change as many other countries will begin to follow suit. Just to give those talks the best chances of success, it's, it's vital that um, wealthy countries or the bigger countries that emit more, have make, that emit more uh, show leadership. Um, for example, G7 alone is responsible for nearly 40% of the carbon emissions, while the G20 for more than three quarters of that. So 
So it, it, well, it's true that um, the G7 nations are not all among the biggest emitters today. Many are. And then so they have a big responsibility, especially to the Pacific um, region. And they also have the capacity and resources to tackle climate change. Ngatsulo pleads for urgent action to the issue, noting that the rising sea levels could mean a slow death to the Pacific country's main source of food and income, pushing them literally underwater. A first-of-its-kind Pacific Languages strategy was recently launched by New Zealand's Ministry for Pacific Peoples. The strategy is a result of community consultation since October 2021, and Pacifica Group members are hopeful that their indigenous languages will continue to thrive. Fina Fonua has more. On September 23rd, Minister for Pacific People, Alpito William Sio, announced the 2022-2023 to Pacific Languages Strategy in a ceremony held at the New Zealand Parliament Building in Wellington. The strategy proposes a variety of action plans, including introducing Pacifica languages as formal qualifications in New Zealand's high school curriculum and increasing the availability of digital language tools, to name a few. A senior official for the Ministry for Pacific Peoples, Ayono Ailione, who helped formulate the strategy, says the 10-year plan seeks to prevent language regression and encourage learning. It is a long-term strategy and it has really three focus areas or key objectives, one of which is to raise and highlight the value of languages, so the status the importance of being able to speak, um, understand um, your language. The second area where um, that's a key objective is is around creating more places of learning. And then the third key objective um, is around creating spaces for people to speak um, their language. Samoan youth leader and language advocate Leluwaiali'i Satuwala was present at the ceremonial launch of the strategy. He says it's groundbreaking and that it will improve the social and mental well-being of many Pacifica youth who feel alienated from their ethnic communities because they can't speak their native tongue. A language is key for a person's identity, but it's also essential for a person's well-being. And there's a clear connection between one's understanding of their identity, uh, issues such as mental health and well-being. So the ability to understand um, one's own language is something that's really special and not only connects them uh, to their families but it also connects them to their ancestors and their roots. The identity crisis is greatest for children of mixed heritage who assimilate quickly into New Zealand's Anglophone society. For many older generations of Kiwis who grew up with Pakeha and Pacifica parents, learning their ancestral language has been a lifelong struggle. Popular New Zealand television show host Marama Tipole grew up with a Tuvaluan father and a Pakeha mother in Dunedin during the 90s. Tipole says she grew up understanding only English and had to learn Tuvaluan later in her adult life. So it was really hard to um, have that kind of connection to our language. I'd often beg my father to speak it to us, but he felt um, it was best to speak English in the home. That was... uh, what he thought was best for us with my mum being a Pākehā. Um, so I, you know, grew up not really speaking it at, at, at all. And I guess 
the time when I really started to immerse myself in the language was when I came to Auckland for work um, and my first job and I was I just really threw myself into the community. There's optimism the strategy will emulate the success of Te Reo Māori's resurgence over the last three decades thanks to aggressive policies in reviving the language. Ayono Aileone says instilling and fostering confidence in people's heritage is crucial to keeping it alive in the generations to come. A key barrier, a key challenge for um, the revitalization of, of languages um, is, re- is really hearts and minds because we do know um, from our research um, that um, intergenerational transmission of languages is becoming harder and harder, um, particularly harder if, if you're born um, in, in New Zealand as opposed to being born uh, in the beautiful Pacific Islands. According to New Zealand statistics, the majority of Kiwis aged 15 and under across all Pacifica ethnicities can only speak English. To end our program, we take a look at some of the sports stories from around the Pacific. Jan Kohut has the latest. Moana Pacifica will play a historic home match in Apia in Super Rugby next year. The 2023 Super Rugby Pacific draw will include 12 teams, including Moana Pacifica and the Fijian Drua, playing across New Zealand, Fiji and Australia, and the one match in Samoa on April 14. The Blues and Reds played a Super Rugby match in Samoa in 2017, but this is the first game in Samoa for Moana Pacifica, whose previous home games have been played at their base at Mount Smart Stadium in Auckland. In football, the MSG Prime Minister's Cup is set to have its final on September the 30th. The Cup hosted in Port Vila, Vanuatu, features six teams in five Melanesian countries and territories. In league, Australia will put in more than $1.4 million to support high-performance rugby league in Papua New Guinea. The high-performance strategy will improve preparation for the women's and men's national teams, enhance opportunities for female players and help foster homegrown talent. And in surfing, Vahine Fierro won gold in the French surfing team for the Aloha Cup in California. The Tahitian was eliminated from the individual table but scored during the team rounds. She told La Première she was very happy with her comeback. Then we had the attack team, the energy started to come back and we made it to second place in the semi-final. We then made it to the final and even with an interference we won in a long shot. I am so proud of my team. It is little more than a week until the Women's Rugby World Cup 2021 being held in 2002 due to COVID. The Cup will run from October 8th to November 12th. Teams have started to arrive in New Zealand and the excitement is building. Twelve nations have been announced to play the tournament, among them Fiji's Fijiana, the New Zealand Black Ferns and Australian Wallaroos, which are the three Pacific nations shortlisted. The first Pacific team to play will see Fiji against England on Saturday, October 8th at Eden Park, Auckland. The teams have been drawn into three pools, with the pool stage matches being played across six match days between October 8th to the 23rd. Whoever finishes first and second in each pool will qualify for the quarterfinal, along the best-performing third-place team out of all the pools. That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Manuele Bayaso, Sofa Soifua.